This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My guest this week has played in some of the most influential rock bands of all time. He's an amazing guitar player. He's an amazing artist and he's an amazing friend of mine. It's Mr. Ronnie Wood, yeah. You are food for hungry eyes. Oh, thank you. I've got hungry eyes. (laughs) You little devil. You never change. Nice to see you. It's so lovely to see you, Ronnie Wood. Thanks for doing my show. So, as it's called Tea with Twiggy, and we can't actually meet each other and have tea because of this horrid, horrid thing that's out there, um, we're having virtual tea. Okay. Are you a tea drinker or coffee? Well, I'm an espresso man, but, you know, that's that's an old leftover habit from rehab. I mean, uh-huh. you couldn't do anything else, so a little bit of coffee was the thing. Well, you know, they are, you know, all those years about saying that coffee was bad for you, they're now saying in the last couple of years that it's actually really, really good for you. So, you know. Well... I hope I'm a living, walking example of that because I, I drink enough cups. I think you are. <laughs> I think you're. I mean, you're amazing. I, I'm not going to say how old you are. But I think I'm about a year and a half younger than you. But we're the same era, aren't we? Let's yeah, say. we sure are. Yeah. It was a good time, actually, wasn't it? It was wonderful. Yeah. And you were so wonderful to watch. I mean, you still are. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back in the day, it was so great to be oh. in the little niche that you were in because well, only you held that spot. Oh, well, you know? thank you. I was, try- I was trying to think yesterday, I was talking to Lee, or you know, uh, my, that's my hus- husband, about when we first met. I can't remember. It's got to be way, way back. I suppose it was back when you were doing Boyfriend, it might be before. Well, that was 1969, 1970. Oh, there you go then. And you you must have been in the faces then, yeah? Yeah, coming from the Jeff Beck group with Rod over to the faces with him, yeah. Did you, you know, I wanted to ask you, when I was, before the whole thing happened to me in 1966, when I was 16, I used to go to a little club in Harrow above... Burton's tailoring and I'm sure the Jeff Beck group played there this would have been 64 65 were you there with him then well funny enough I used to go every weekend to Burton's Uxbridge to watch Brian Poole and the Tremolos and uh, so what year was that this was when you're talking but 63 64 um maybe a bit before even and uh Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers and there was a chain of the Burton's men's clothing stores, and above oh, them, they'd have a right. dance floor. Yeah. Well, this one was in, in Harrow, on, Harrow on the Hill, or Harrow. Oh, well, that was very posh. Very well, posh Harrow thing. on the Hill was posh. I, I think it was yeah. actually Harrow. But, and also, Georgie Fame was playing there then, and Eric Burden and the Animals. 
they did the, um, there were the Blue Moon Clubs, I think. There was one oh, yes. in Cheltenham, one in Windsor. Yeah. And there was some in London, the Klux Click, all kinds of different link-ups of the, the clubs. And Georgie Fame and, and uh, Gino Washington and all that, they were the kings of the club circuit. Yeah. And I think... Zoop money, yeah. Yeah, and I think I saw... Eric Clapton, but not in, he was, what was the first band he was in? It was... John May, was Blues Breakers. I, I bet it was them then. He yeah, then, one of the Yardbirds as oh, well. the Yardbirds, that's who it was, the Yardbirds, because they were huge for the mods, weren't they? Yeah, because the Yardbirds and John May were great for breaking guitar players, like uh, oh. Peter Green, um, there was Mick Taylor and Eric Clapton, with, to name a few, with John May, and then... With the Yardbirds, it was Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, and Jimmy Page. They all played oh, a little bit. Oh, that's right, Jimmy pa That's who I must have seen. I mean, we didn't know their names. They were just the yeah. band that we... Because I was only 14 and 15, so I was only allowed out on a Saturday night, and I had to be home at, at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, well, I, used I used to walk home. I used to walk back to West Rayton from Uxbridge after the club, you know. Oh, on the that's Friday a long Saturday. way. That's a long yeah. way. Yeah, through the snow, any kind of weather. So when did you start playing? Oh, I was playing when I was in short trousers, you know. So when my brothers were older than me, they were eight years and ten years older. So they were, took me through the skiffle and through trad jazz, blues and R&B and soul, you know. So I was having a great adventure through jazz as well. Um, so I started playing guitar when I was about seven, I suppose, and um, drums first before that, yeah. So were your mum and dad musical as well, or just your brothers? My dad was a busker. He'd play anything on the piano, beat a tune out and a little harmonica. He always had a harp in his top pocket. But, but my mum wasn't, but she was great with her fingers with the crochet and knitting. Oh, oh we'd yeah. get on. I, I knit. I love to oh, knit. Oh, great. Well, I knit too, because <laughs> I used to hold the, the, the spool of wool for her, and then she taught me the the plain stitch and I still do it today. I think it's really relaxing. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant. I love yeah. it. That's absolutely brilliant. I knit endless did, scarves, you know. And did, <laughs> did any of your parents or your brothers, did they paint? Because, you know. Yeah, the brothers were artists. So, yeah, they were commercial artists. So it was great for I me. I have to tell you a story when, about... Six years ago, we were in New York and I, we were doing, I, I was doing some clothing, you know, some twiggy clothing. Yeah. And one of our manufacturers, who was a big manufacturer in America, and we had a meeting in his office in New York and he, we, the secretary took us in the room and opened the door. And on the wall was a huge one of your paintings of the stones. And he stood up and he said, this is my pride and joy, my Ronnie Wood. Oh, and I said, oh, why not? I know, Ronnie, isn't it brilliant? <laughs> I love that. Well, hey, so that's where it went. <laughs> well, I th I'm hopefully he bought it. I don't think he nicked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to say, yeah. But it's lovely, lovely. It's nice to see that it does a full circle. I have to say, we've been, you know, to many places, especially in America. You're, you're very well represented in art galleries in America, in New York, and we did some work in Florida, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the names of the art galleries, but your work is very well shown. Hey, and next week, next week I've got the big launch. I've got a hundred originals. It's like a live show in this day and age. They're going to be presented at Ashridge House. 
in Hertfordshire. Yeah. Which is near my country studio. So just across the road in the forest, there's a beautiful clearing and a wonderful stately home called Ashridge Houses. Oh, how gorgeous. And my paintings are going to be on display for a week next week. Anybody that wants to venture out in this lovely weather. And oh, how fabulous. Are they for sale or are they it's just a showing? Yeah, for showing and for there's some are um, private collections, some I'm not selling and others I am selling. So, you know, it's going to be a real wonderful um, expose of the work and just see what happens. Do you have a greater love? being a musician or painting or does it does it all intertwine well i love being part of a group you know mm. and having that rapport with the music and it's wonderful to express myself on my own through the painting you know it's just i'm very lucky in that respect well also you're you're really i mean i don't want to go on too much but you're so tight that your paintings are they i mean they are so full of life and vitality and and you capture those people they're amazing absolutely amazing and when you see my landscapes and my horses and the ballerinas and the abstract i've got a whole new lot as well you're gonna love them try and come when we come off it will you send me an email with where it is and yeah it's from the 20th to the 27th yeah ashbridge okay if we come up i'd love to see them if not, I'll give you a catalogue. I've just got a catalogue coming through. That's oh, yeah, yeah, send me one of those anyway. So you, I didn't know, but I read in your bio that you, you've you got um, thoroughbred horses. Oh, yeah. Talk about shoveling money down a hole. <laughs> Yay! I mean, it's great to have winners. <laughs> the sport of kings is... Yeah, well, that's what is, I, uh, I know. A few people who've got... Um, do you know Judy Kramer, who's the producer of all the Mamma Mia shows? Yes. Because she's got horses and she said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a winner who sadly died on me at the oh. end of last year. was Sandy Mount Duke. He won so many races over the last couple of seasons. He won kind of 15 races. It was <gasps> fabulous. And there's another one named after Alison Gracie called Sandy Mount Baby now. Oh. And that's the only one I have in training with Jessica Harrington. She is lovely. She's a wonderful trainer. And so what I know nothing about horse racing. So, I mean, I've been to a few races and I actually, two years ago, they asked me along to um, Ascot to pick right. the best dressed horse. <laughs> <laughs> Love it was it. so funny because, and they were, I mean, they're so be- incredibly beautiful. And yes. I had to be, you know, the best turned out one where they all had plaited manes and tails yeah. so i picked the one i thought was the most beautiful she was absolutely gorgeous and then i said to the guy who was organizing it i'm gonna i've never bet in my life but i'm gonna put a bed on her because i picked her and he said no the horse that wins best dress never comes in anywhere because they're just very beautiful but they don't waste your money so i didn't and guess what it, it won, won. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, fantastic. See, I should have followed my instinct, shouldn't I? Yeah, the best turned out. Wow, that's oh. lovely. So that yeah, was kind of a new experience for me because I say I know. So what got you into buying a horse? Uh, when I, I've had a house in Ireland, an old Georgian mm-hmm. house by the canal. I've had it for many years, 30 years. When I first moved there, it came part and parcel with being in the in the beautiful Irish countryside, you know, everybody's, it's something to do with horses there. 
and I love to paint them and I love the way they move. I don't like to ride them because they're too erratic and too highly strung, the, the racehorses. I say you have yeah. to be really trained to ride a racehorse, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So anyway, I just admire them and paint them and stuff. And I love to see them run occasionally. And um, like I say, it costs a lot of money to keep them in training and a lot of patience, a lot of time. And they're very fragile. But uh, I suppose if I would to recommend somebody, you know, do's and don'ts, you know, it would be don'ts up buying racehorses because once you stop it's like it's very infectious you can't Is stop it? it and it's just um it eats up the money but you oh, know so it's a money pit isn't it yeah oh hang on here's alice what are you saying <laughs> we've got alice. alice now look wait. Hi, this is little alice how old are you alice four four years old and she's very beautiful and you've got a little twin sister, haven't you? What's your twin oh, sister? Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. Hello, Gracie. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I'm okay. Nice I'm it over. Come on. I know that book well because I read that to my, my little Joni. My little oh, what is this one? That's called the hobby horse, okay? <laughs> Let me talk to Twiggy. Okay, go on, run along. Okay. <laughs> this, this is live. Folks, hey, anyway, 1999, I won something very special in Ireland, the Small Breeder of the Year. Did you? Yeah, one of the horses that grew up on my land and from my breeding actually beat all the, Congratulations. the, the challenges from the, yeah, the rich oil guys. It beat wow. all of the top guys. You are clever. Going back to music, yeah, I mean, everyone knows, you know, the faces. So tell me how that all happened. Um, I've always followed my nose when it comes to being, uh, when I came home from school, the Stones were just starting and I always made a, a beeline for, to watch them and say, I'm going to be in that band. And I don't oh, care really? what happens, that's my band. Amazing. So that was my whole thing. And, and the stepping stones on the way were when Jeff Beck left the Yardbirds, I, I always said to him, if you ever leave, can I ring you up? And he said, sure. So he left, I rang him up and he said, let's form a band. And the same thing when uh, Rod and I uh, got together in the Jeff Beck group, our favorite band was the Small Faces. And Steve Marriott left them, That's and we went, what the hell is he doing, leaving? What the heck? So uh, he went and formed Humble Pie, which I never really understood, and uh, it never really worked. Pete, was that with Peter Frampton? Yes, it was. I knew Peter, my best girlfriend, who's still yes. my best, Mary. Mary. You know Mary. Yeah, yes, she's, she's still lovely. My best, oh, she's gorgeous. Oh, give and, her my um, love. I will. She's, she lives in California, but um, she was with... Peter, when I first met Mary, and, and I think he was in Humble Pie. This would have been the late 60s. He was with Humble Pie then. Yeah, well, that's before he had his amazing solo career, which that's went right. boom, didn't I it? Know. He's a yeah. lovely man, lovely man. So then you, so you met Rod with... In the, the Jeff Beck group. Okay, gotcha. In the Intrepid Fox. Remember that pub in Wardour Street? There no, was a pub called I, The Ship. And, my, and a, my daddy wouldn't let me go to pubs. <laughs> 
Well, it was opposite the 100 Club anyway. Near okay, enough. I vaguely, okay. I know the name of it, yeah. That was our old stomping ground and I first met him in there and Rod came in in a cocoa with a clown suit and he said, hello, face. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hello, we had the same haircut and we got on so well. Anyway, we met again in the Jeff Beck group and then when Steve Marriott left the faces, I rang up Ronnie Lane. I didn't know him really well. Uh. I said, well, what's going on with you guys? He said, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do now. He said, would you come over so, and join? So anyway, so I went over and played with them, with Mac and Kenny and Ronnie, and kept, the, kept them going. And Rod came and joined later on. And, um, but unknowing to me, while we were rehearsing in Bermondsey, in the Stones rehearsal room, uh, Mick rang up and he said, would Ronnie be interested in joining the Stones. Unknowing to me, and Ronnie Lane said, he's quite happy where he is, thank oh you, Nick. And he put the phone down, and I never found this out for five years. <laughs> oh, if you had have known, would you have left? I wouldn't have left the boys in the lurch, no. But the thing is, it would have been fabulous to have known that they wanted me in the band. Absolutely. Well, especially as it was your dream. Yeah, but I... You know, I just let things cruise on and take their natural course. And sure enough, I was sitting at a Robert Stigwood party. You remember him, don't you? I do. Gosh. <laughs> and I was sitting there next to Mick Jagger and Mick Taylor. And Mick Taylor leaned across to Jagger and he said, I'm leaving the band. And Mick looked at me and he said, what? What was that? And he said, I'm serious. I'm leaving. And he got up and walked out. Why? I don't know. And Jagger turned know. to me and he said, what am I going to do now? And I said, well, he said, would you join? And I said, you know, I would, but I'm already in a band. And he yeah. went, yeah, you are. He said, if I get really desperate, could I ring you? And I said, sure. So did you ever actually play with the Faces and the Stones at the same time? Yeah, in the year 1975, I did two Faces tours and one Stones tour in oh America. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> I mean, you are all rock and roll royalty. It's amazing. And to have those two huge bands, is, it's incredible. But do you remember Lee and I came to see the Stones, what, two years ago at Twickenham? Yeah. We'd been to, we, I was sitting next to you. Uh, um, I'm going to name drop now, sorry. But we were at Paul McCartney's lunch when he got that special medal. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah River Cafe. Yeah, in the River Cafe, and we had that lovely. He had that lovely lunch, and I, you, you I had you as my May lunchtime partner, and we were yeah. chatting away. And I said to you, because we, were, I forget what we were talking about. And I said to you, do you know I've never seen the Stones live? I feel really ashamed. I've never seen them live. And you said, well, we're we're playing Twickenham in two months' time. I'll get you a ticket. <laughs> do you remember? Brilliant. We, yeah. We came. Oh my. Goodness, it was. Did you enjoy yourself? Oh my gosh. When it finished, I, I actually, because you told me to bring earphones that it could be very, very loud, because we were in the VIP bit near the speakers. Yes. And you said to me, bring some, you know, like those aeroplane earphones just in case it might be very loud. So, and when the music started, I knew it was. So I put, I mean, you could still hear. It was yeah. very, very loud. But <laughs> Lee, wearing was, the music. <laughs> Lee was so blown sideways, he forgot to put his in. <laughs> he had ringing in his ear for a week. But 
And at the end of the concert, he turned to me and he said, I want to be a Rolling Stone. Oh, how <laughs> was, lovely. I have to say, it was probably one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen, and certainly for Lee. It was, oh. you guys, unbelievable. The wonderful. Energy, the energy is incredible. I mean, you know, I've seen lots of, well, McCartney, Paul's the same, isn't he, on stage? Yeah. Endless yeah. energy. I mean, mind-blowing. Absolutely oh. mind-blowing. But it must be so much fun apart from anything else, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just, you know, the nomadic lifestyle. I love traveling all the time and living out of a suitcase. And Oh, you do? Us. I was going to ask you that. Did being on the road get you down? Obviously not. Oh, no, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. I'm a jippo at heart. I'm a traveler. Well, you're, you're, again, your bio says that you're, your relatives, you were the first one in your family born on, land. on dry land, yeah. Me and my brothers were, yeah. So they were all on the canal. So they were bar barges. Were they called barges? Well, the, yeah, the narrow boats. Or the, oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that's funny because again, I don't. You probably I don't know whether you remember, but in nine, the late seventies, early eighties, Lee did a series called Traveling Man, and he lived on a barge where he travelled across England. I mean, it was a drama set. He was looking for some. He was a policeman looking for a criminal, but he lived on a barge. Wow. It was unbelievable because the countryside you see mm. on, on the canals and the waterways is, you know, you're not near traffic, you're not any yeah. it. So you can understand, I bet their life was hard. It was, it yeah. must have been. So did your grandma and grandpa live on a barge? Well, when they all came onto dry land, um, my mum said to me, that um, Sylvester, my dad's dad, mm -hmm. he had one family in London and through the canal system, he had another family <laughs> up in, in Manchester or something. Little but, devil. Because it took forever. <laughs> and uh, my mum said, the dirty sod, you know. But uh, <laughs> Well, apparently really... in those days, sailors did the same because, you know, there was no communication. So they had a wife... That's in, right, in, it took weeks to get anywhere, you know, like a few miles. That's <laughs> hysterical. That is yeah? hysterical. <laughs> I can hear Sally's come back, and uh, she's on the canal as well, up in Birmingham, because she's a Birmingham girl, and my mum's family were from there and from the lock in Berkhamstead, where, which is near the Ashridge place I was oh, telling I you see. about. So, but you grew yeah. up in Hillingdon, right? Yes. That's near Hayes, isn't it? Yeah. Hayes and Hillingdon. Because I grew up in Neeson, which is not that far away. It's kind of northwest. And my elder sister lived in Hayes, so I used to go and stay with her when I was about 12. Well, Neeson's not far from uh, Wembley. Yeah. So Charlie, Charlie Watts was that way as well. Well, we, we were in Neeson and my out, we, we were in a, like a, a, a semi-detached 30s house. You know, it was a nice house. My dad had an, he was a um, master carpenter uh, on the nice. film studio, so we, he had a good job. My we dad had... worked at Shepparton and Pinewood. Oh, my dad worked at Borenwood. Maybe they Boreham knew. Wood. Oh. Yeah. How, when was your dad born? He was born in 1908. My dad was 1910, so they might have met each other. Yeah, they might have been. My dad was at been... Borenwood in the 50s and 60s. And then the film yeah. industry kind of fell apart, didn't it? 
Yeah. What did you do? Well, my, yeah, my dad worked with, um, he used to come home with stories of Peter Finch, uh, you know, Genevieve. <laughs> he worked on that film. How have you coped during lockdown? Actually, having each other for company was a wonderful blessing for Alice and Gracie. And it was great for us to, to exchange with them and um, see them hanging out with grown-ups. It was because uh, we had a lovely lady that would come and help us um, out in the countryside. Mm -hmm. And she'd bring her two little daughters over because we, we kind of went into lockdown with them. So, oh, good. So they so had a that, playmate, yeah. Yeah, but they had each other, which was basically fantastic. And that they were so wonderful with each other. My 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 little granddaughter, Joni, it was hard for her because she missed her little school friends. Yeah, and it's hard to describe, you know. Yeah. Um, when the little ones say, Daddy, when the virus is over, we will be able to see, you know, blah, blah, oh, blah. But they have a wonderful kind of understanding of, and patience of like, okay, we can't do that. We understand, but when will we be able to? Jo you know? Joni calls it the germ. <laughs> oh, well, great! Yeah. <laughs> oh. But anyway, that, that you know, my heart goes. Actually, I think the hardest age to be is probably a teenager, because yeah. if you're a teenager, you don't really want to be at home with your mum and dad because they're boring. Exactly. You may be falling in love or have fallen in love. Yes. You can't see that. Per and you know, at that age, it's so strong, isn't it? When you fall it's in love. It's what you live and, for. Yeah. I remember the um, phone box on the corner, you know, <laughs> and you you try to put fourpence in, and there was always somebody in the box here knocking on the window. I've got to ring my girlfriend. No, it was the biggest thing, wasn't it? That's right. No mobile phones in those days. No. I know, because one of the, the, the first boy I had a huge crush on, I must have been about 15, and he he um he, I, he took me to the pictures once, and then I we only had a landline at home, and he said I'll call you and we can you know we'll we'll make another date, and he yeah. called me and said look I've been I, I don't know how to say this but I I I've, I want to buy a scooter and I can't afford a girlfriend and a scooter. <laughs> So I got the elbow for a scooter. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were going to say you got called up to the army or something. <laughs> How dare he? We're going to root him out. And uh... I can't remember his name. But I was oh. devastated, of course. But oh. I, I got over it. <laughs> well, that's his comeuppance because you can't remember his name. That's the best, that's the best revenge. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Having played with, I know, you know, obviously the Stones and Faces, mm. I know you've played with so many other musicians all around the world and collaborated. Yeah. Have you got, not not including the Stones and Faces, have you got a favourite person that you've performed with or played with or done a record with? Well, yeah, there were so many people over the years. and There's different categories, like... I played with Bob Marley at um, wow. the Oakland Coliseum and uh, his guitar player had had his guitar stolen and Al Anderson, his name was, and he rang me up from San Francisco and I was in LA and he said, they've stolen my guitar, man, what am I going to do? I said, I'll bring you a guitar. Oh. So, and he said, hey, if you do that, man, you can come and play with us. And I'm going, hey, doesn't matter, I'll bring you a guitar. Anyway, it, it transpired that Bob 
allowed me to play the encore, which was about two two hours long. And uh, oh I got God. the look from Bob like, you can cut it, you know, because oh, before yeah. he didn't quite know how to handle me. But that was a highlight. And was so he was amazing? Playing. Yeah. So he didn't say much, but he was amazing. It was an amazing vibe. And with Howlin' Wolf, I got to play with him. It was just wonderful. And uh, Hubert Sumlin, his guitar player, was so wonderful. We, we remained friends to the end, you know. Like, I'm friends with Buddy Guy nowadays, uh, Muddy Waters' guitar player. Wow. And the adventures, the adventures through the different reggae, through the blues, um, through, through the soul. You know, Bobby Womack was a great friend of mine, and he introduced me to some wonderful people like Marvin Gaye yeah. and stuff, yeah. you know. So you are really a gypsy at heart because you love travelling and you love fixing. Yeah. I mean, it's like being in the theatre, really. It's like, you know... Yeah, I adapt. I adapt. I take I on many different roles. I think it's been really roles. hard on, you know, actors and things. We've got so many friends who have, you know, been devastated because, you know, they, they, can't, they can't actually work. I know. I think that's really unfair with this, with the germ. Uh, and the way that people handle it, they don't know how to handle it. The government don't know what to do uh, next. They don't. So they just put a pan on uh, a ban on you can't play a piano in public. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. And I think other things like theatre is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they could do some distancing and especially outdoors. Outdoors, yeah. Well, I think there are... And actually, um, my daughter showed me last week that the Donmar were going to reopen and just distance people in the seating areas and it's you know it's quite mm. small anyway i think the difficulty is is making money because they need you know they need bums on seats to make money yeah they? well they well, could Sal get Carlo sally, sally must you know have been hit by this because that's her world as well yeah it's devastating lots of uh, um, actors and and people in the theater are devastated and I just really feel for them. I and do. Same with music. I mean, but I think the future lies in the drive-in cinema, the drive-in yeah. theatre, the drive-in Yeah, it's concert. a brilliant idea. Absolutely. I know because um, the Goodwood is near us and the guy who runs it, um, Duke of Richmond, he did a drive-in in July, where, you know, because mm. they usually have their big thick do's in the summer, but they can't do it. So they did, they did a drive-in, which I thought was a brilliant. And, they, and he said in the invite, we couldn't go for, for some reason, but they said in the invite, you know, you can, if you can come in a period car, that'd be brilliant. So I'm sure amazing cars turned up. Oh, yeah. You, you, didn't have, you didn't have to. Have you ever been to Goodwood? It's really fun when they do the, the, all the cars coming, all the old Yeah, we, the Faces did a reunion there uh, maybe 10 years ago. Oh, how fabulous. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. But that's where my mum and dad always used to go to the races, funnily enough. That was their outing was to Goodwood. Oh, Glorious to Goodwood. Goodwood. Wow. Yeah. So that would have been in what, the 1940s? In the 50s. 40s? 50s. Yeah, 40s, 40s. and 50s, yeah. Yeah, because your brothers were older than you, right? Yeah, eight and ten years. Were you the youngest? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I was born. I was born in 1949. Yeah, I'm 47. So we're same same yeah. era. But my elder sister was she's 15 years older than me, so she was almost like a second mum to me. That's 15. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, Arch, older. my eldest, my eldest brother was 10 years older, so yeah. you know that was quite good as well for me. 
But how many children have you had? You've got quite a gang, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I've got Jesse. Yeah. Who's uh, married with Fern. Lovely Fern, yeah. Yeah, and they've got beautiful kids. Um, So how many grandchildren you got? Well, I've got... I've got Arthur and Lola. You don't, you don't have to. And Rex and Honey. And Leah's got Otis and Maggie. Anyway, there's six to be getting on with anyway. Six? That'll do. God, family yeah. get-togethers must be riotous. Well, yeah, COVID has bloody put a stop to that, I hasn't know, it? I know, I know. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. Yeah. But looking on the bright side, wasn't it wonderful when there were no planes in the sky and when the yes. air was fresh and when the weather was beautiful, yep. no clouds? I say, yeah. and it, it does, I think we've all got to think about that. We shouldn't go back to how it was completely. No. You no. know, I was reading an article and there was, um, I think it was around Thailand, there were some bays there that all these amazing fish have come back to because there's no cruise liners, there's no boats, yes. so the fish could come back. And people were saying they hadn't seen fish like that, you know, for decades and decades and decades. So that's, as you say, is the upside. Cleaner, cleaner air. Yeah. No noisy aeroplanes. Yeah. Although we've all jumped back in our cars very quickly, haven't we? I mean, I, I'm guilty too. But And also, it looks, I mean, w- watching the ads on telly now, there's so many ads for electric cars. I mean, I, I've got a hybrid. I haven't got a complete electric. Right. When I bought this one... They, they'd only just come out and I was a bit nervous <laughs> there'd be enough plugs anywhere. But so I got a hybrid, but it looks like that everyone, all the big firms are now, you know, getting the electric out. So hopefully within 10 years, maybe all our cars will be yeah. that way inclined. Are you a reader? Yeah. I'm reading one at the moment called Three Hours, and it's about a school that's been um, held up by these um, gunmen. Oh, so it's a thriller. Yeah. So Ooh. I do love that kind of thing, whether it's a visual or a book. But I love the murder mysteries. And- oh, you know who you'd love? You ever read? Because she's a mate, and she did one of these with me. Is Linda Laplante? Have you ever read her books? Oh, they're yeah, oh, Linda LaPlante. I mean, they're, they're page turners. She's just done one called Buried. It's worth getting. It's really, really good. I've just finished it. Wow, really? Yeah, I love it. Do you know Linda? She's so lovely. No, but I've heard lots of lovely stories about her. She's also one of the funniest people I've ever met. I met one of her character actresses in L.A., um, a girl called Kirsten Waring. Oh, okay. She's a lovely actress. She looks a little bit like a, a Kate Moss. And anyway, she's a wonderful gangster's mall <laughs> kind of actress. She's always getting the rough side of it. Anyway, I met her with Sally in LA and she was wonderful and she was talking highly of Linda. Oh, and, um, yeah, you'd love Linda. Yeah. She's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I, haven't, I mean, I have, we haven't, haven't seen her because I haven't seen anyone. We haven't... We've been in lockdown, darling. <laughs> hey, we can go to restaurants now. We went to Sally Green's restaurant the other night. and um, Oh, really? Was it all right? It was great to have someone else cooking. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, I've been to a few restaurants now, and I, I like the way it's happening. Are you a cook? Yeah. I became the stir-fry king during lockdown. <laughs> 
Yeah, because Alton Burke have said there were no, there was nothing, you know, like, so we got supplies in and stir fry was easy and you could juggle with the kids, juggle with the pots and pans <laughs> and just bung it all in, you know, and um, it was tasty. <laughs> well, it's like, I, you know, when lockdown down, and luckily I love cooking and, and so that was not a problem, but I, I, and I, I, I can do the ironing and I can clean, but, you know, we have help to do that, but... Right. Obviously, that stopped. So I've become a really good cleaner. <laughs> I've discovered. Oh, excellent! Very oh, clean. so we love to cook and clean but, together. Yeah, cook and clean, darling. And and Elaine Page, who, who I also, mm. well, she may I got I couldn't stop laughing. You should look on. It's on YouTube, I think. She did a little video of herself cleaning the shower in either yellow or pink, you know, rubber gloves, singing. Don't cry for me, I'm the cleaner. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. She oh. was in my Ivy painting. She was one of the people I painted for Andrew Lloyd Webber, of the, all the people that went oh. to the Ivy. How lovely. Oh. Yeah, 60, 60 people I painted, and I got all their wow. stories while I was amazing. painting them. Yeah. She's such an amazing lady. You know, what, what a voice. <gasps> Oh, yeah, Sally loves her. Didn't she have that programme on a Sunday afternoon? She still does it. It's the best. Because yeah, I, lo I love musical... Th if you like musical theatre, you've got to listen to it later. Radio oh, well, that's Sally all over. I had a re-education uh, yeah. via Sally on, on musical theatre. I thought I knew, but... Yeah, oh, and what's great, Elaine, you know, she goes way back, but she does all the modern stuff. It's, it's And I'm so glad that the BBC gave that music a chance because... You know, I grew up on that music. My dad loved all the big bands and so yeah. that's what I grew up in. And then, you know, when I did my show on Broadway, that was all Gershwin, which, you know, yeah. they don't write them like that anymore. <laughs> I know. And it's wonderful for our kids, it you know, is. to be it able is. to have that, that hole in their musical career, you know, like in their musical uh, education. Yeah. Well, jo Joni's favourite song, which I, I sing her when I, if I've got her overnight, if I sing to her, is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. She loves it. She always says, sing uh, that rainbow song. She thinks it's, you know, it's no. one of the great songs. I got mine singing the Gene Kelly singing In the Rain. Yeah, they love it. I love that clip. I know. It's one of the great clips. Yeah, Joni's seen that. And we've been showing her Fred Astaire because I bought her some tap shoes. Have they got tap shoes, your little ones? You should get them Well, some they tap do shoes. ballet, but they haven't done tap yet. Oh, they're going to love it. I don't think. Um, but that's they've got that to look forward to. Fred yeah. Astaire. And then you can show Fred and Ginger. That she can't, but her eyes nearly pop out when she watches them. It's amazing. It's lovely. Right. You kind That's of relive proper. it, relive it all through them. Yeah. Now, do you still do your radio show? No, because I only did that for a year. Was that fun? Yeah, in my early sobriety, because I've been sober for ten years now. Have you? So, Good on you! Congratulations. Yeah, when I was sober for about a couple of years, I I needed something to occupy myself between touring. So that's when I had the opportunity to do. The radio show. So I did about 80 shows and filmed about 10 of them. Yeah, I remember it. I just didn't know if you still did them occasionally. No, no it would have been nice. I was up in Old Street. I did and did you, were you, did you pick all the music or did you kind of follow a theme? And Me and Claire, I had a wonderful producer, Claire. She, she helped me uh, get a show together. Mm -hmm. I, I would give her some songs and she would arrange it for me. And um, 
and give me some guidelines and I, I would just go off the page, you know, like with ad-libbing. And it was just so much fun and having guests. I had people like uh, Toots Hibbert and Steve Cropper. I even had Damien Hurst and Rod Stewart. And yeah, it was a mad Brilliant. kind of left field. Brilliant. I did actually, I don't know whether, I, well, the last time I saw Rod was in Florida because he came, I was doing, because I was doing, I did a clothing line there and on a shopping channel. Mm -hmm. And they were also launching people's, you know, because people are always trying to find a new way to launch an album, you know, because. The music yeah. Business. So Rod came in to do a concert that went out live and they, people could buy the CD. I mean, I think they sold a lot. So that's the last time I, I, I saw him. He was, he was in great form, actually, in great voice. He's, so, he's always so lovely. And yeah. uh, he, he flew in from L.A., I think. But the first time I met him, gosh, I'd done a record and he was out to promote one of his. And we were in a place in Venice, I think. It was like an, one of those mad Italian TV shows. Oh, I did one called Estati Rock. <laughs> I was the host on that one. Hysterical. Well, I wish you well for everything you're doing. I, I really want to come see these paintings, though. Uh, Ashridge, yes. If we can't um, get there, how do we get to see? Where will they go after that? They'll go back to the owners. Well, I'm get, this is a toe in the water. I mean, it's a big toe in the water. And um, it's a massive exhibition for me. So I'm really uh, keeping my fingers crossed that if it's a success, it will be a travelling show, you know. Oh, great. I'll, yeah. Well, you know, so, I said to you earlier, I've seen so much of your work in America, in, in art galleries. So, you yeah. know. Oh, they want it all over the place. But, yeah. I, you know, galleries take 50% and I've just gave up that a long time ago. Yeah, I went, good. No good way. You. you know, I'm Absolutely. not going to slave over all this stuff and give half my money away just to show it, it's you know. unbelievable. And didn't you just um, auction one of your lovely paintings for the NHS? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that must Lovely. have been thrilling. It raised so much. How much it raised a lot of money? Well, I don't know. Uh, this, that there was one that just did twenty grand. But the great thing is, but that's uh, a lot for charity. They that's make prints, and that raises a lot. Yes, I mean it's wonderful. It's oh, wonderful. It's that. That's when it's lovely to do things like that, isn't it? Because I must say, the yeah, NHS to give back. I yeah. do so much yeah. for for charities like that, and I give yeah. so much to the people that help as much as I can, you know. I interviewed one of the um, frontline nurses, actually, at the beginning of this, I interviewed her. I didn't know her, but Kobe, uh, my producer, found her. And, and I was a bit nervous, actually, because I didn't know her, but she was so lovely. She was an Australian girl. And, uh. she, and you, know, and this, uh, you know, some of the stories were unbelievable. I mean, these people are so brave. And you just think, you know, what can we do to help? I, I just wish, I think the government should give them all a raise, actually, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I really missed the Thursday night hand clap, you know what I mean? Oh, that was great, I know, I know. Did you go out with the girls? Yeah. Oh, no, they were probably in bed. Every week. Were they not in bed? No, they weren't, no. These are <laughs> night owls, you know. They're, like, they're uh, rock and rollers like their dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. If we can get them nearly ready for bed at 10, we're, we're laughing, you know. <laughs> Do they sleep later in the morning? Yeah, they sleep, say, um, 10 till 10 or yeah, 9 till 9. Like oh, that. that's brilliant. So we're lucky, yeah. Yeah, you are lucky. You are very lucky. 
because they don't all sleep like that. <laughs> my do- my daughter still got a little one joining them in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that. They don't do it every night, but you know, suddenly there's another little body oh. in the bed, and, and that's fine. Yeah. I know it is. Well, Carly, oh. my daughter always says to me, you know, I'll be sad when it ends. Really, I mean, sometimes yeah. it's a bit much because it breaks your sleep. But when it ends and they don't want to do it anymore, you'll be sad. That's right. Yeah, I'm making the most of it. And I see the change in them every day. It's, know, it's a wonderful reward, you know. Uh, well, you look uh, amazing. You really do. Oh, um, thanks, Twiggy. It's so I, great. You, you always look beautiful. Uh, I can't wait to be able to give you a hug properly. Anyway, I hope the exhibition goes well. Thank you for doing this. It's been so long. I've really enjoyed it, actually. Thank you. I love you so much. Lovely to talk to you, Twiggy. Oh, and you. Thank you. Lots of love. This episode was actually released after Ronnie's art exhibition, but I hear it went brilliantly. And if you get a chance to see any of his paintings, they are amazing. He's really talented. And I have to tell you, he's one of the nicest men on the planet. I love him to bits. He's one of my mates. And uh, he can play a bit of guitar as well. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production. 